Welcome to the USCCB First Freedom Podcast. I'm Aaron Weldon. In Baltimore this past November, Bishop George Murray was elected chair of the Committee for Religious Liberty. Bishop Murray is bishop of the Diocese of Youngstown. He entered the Society of Jesus in 1972, and since then he has served the church in numerous capacities, but particularly in Catholic education. Bishop Murray joins us today to talk about where we are going and what he hopes we can accomplish in his term as chair. It's great to have you here, Bishop Murray. Thanks for taking the time to come talk with us. Thanks for inviting me, Aaron. First, before we get into the religious liberty and the work of the committee and all that, I wondered if you could just tell us a little bit about where you're coming from. Um, how did you first feel called to the priesthood? How did you first feel called to, to the Jesuits? And then how did you end up becoming a bishop? Well, I felt called to the priesthood uh, because of the experience of a priest in my parish. I grew up in New Jersey, and uh, there was a priest in our parish, uh, Father John Brennan, who was wonderful with um, with kids. And um, he was a person that was extremely trustworthy and balanced and wise. And we would talk to him with a freedom that we didn't even extend to each other. We knew that he was there uh, for us. And I thought, I'd like to have that opportunity because um, he helped so many of us as we were going through, especially the, uh, the teenage years. Mm -hmm. So that's where it all started, and I got interested in, in priesthood. Um, as far as the Jesuits were concerned, I decided to go in that direction because I wanted to teach. Um, mm -hmm. I love education. I love teaching. And I looked at a number of teaching orders and um, decided upon uh, the Jesuits as the place where I was uh, most comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then uh, becoming a bishop, I was um, on the uh, board and then in the administration at the University of Detroit and uh, in 1995, and uh, Pope John Paul II appointed me Auxiliary Bishop of uh, Chicago. Um, I, people will say, you know, did you apply for the job? Well, no, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just got a phone call. Um, but it, it has been a wonderful ministry because I see the role of the bishop. Uh, he has many roles, but one very important role for me is to be a pastor to priests. Um, the pastors in my diocese are pastors to their people, and I think it's important that someone be a pastor to their priests, and 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 that's uh, a main focus for me uh, in in my work in the diocese. And the Jesuits, that's called Cora Personalis, concern for the whole person, spiritual life, their own physical health, their assignment, um, relationships. And so I, I, I uh, feel that that is important for me to do as a bishop, along with the administrative work that goes with the job. I wonder, uh, what do you think you'd be doing if you had taken a different path? I'm guessing teaching in some way. I mean, you've been very involved in, in education. Yes. I, it, had I not become a priest, I think I would have done one of two things, uh, either become a, um, a college or a university professor or become a lawyer. 
Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my brother is a lawyer, and uh, his wife is a lawyer. And, and I, I always liked uh, the law, um, but I enjoy teaching even more. So, you know, I, I guess I could have become a, a law professor. But uh, those were the two things that were on my mind if I, if I wasn't going to pursue priesthood. What what subjects in in general? I mean, you taught at Georgetown for yes, a while, right? American history, okay, uh, is is the field in which I did my degree, and um, I have concentrated mostly on late nineteenth century social history. Oh, okay. Well, today is a day to be thinking about that because Blaine amendments came yes. out in the late nineteenth century. It was really a time of a lot of anti-Catholicism in yes. the United States and the Supreme Court's dealing with that right now as we speak, actually. Um, so I wonder, though, I mean, that kind of leads into my question then about more related to our work here. How, how did you get involved or get interested in religious liberty topics? Well, that came from uh, a good amount of uh, reading and concern about how the uh, the religious freedom of various groups, including ourselves, seemed to me to be being chipped away at. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, some groups insisting that that their freedom be respected, but not respecting our freedom. And so I followed this debate a lot in, uh, in literature. And when I was asked to, uh, to be the chair, I was happy to do that because I thought, this is a very important issue for our country. I don't mm-hmm. think that we can simply disregard a whole section of the um, the American community and, and say, uh, you can't live out your faith in this culture. A strong aspect of um, the democracy of the United States is that a person is free to live out what he or she believes. And I, I think we have to articulate that and uphold that. You know, this issue, uh, religious liberty, it really became a major concern for the bishops um, after the HHS contraceptive mandate. That kind of provided the impetus to creating this ad hoc committee. I mean, obviously, the Catholic bishops in the United States have dealt with this issue in different ways at different times, but it, it really kind of came to the fore in a lot of people's minds with the HHS mandate. It also comes up uh, very often in the context of uh, marriage redefinition, um, an example of where people that's widely known where this is an issue is with uh, faith-based adoption agencies being forced to close down because they place children with a married mother and father. Uh, all of these things kind of fall under the heading of what you might call the culture war issues, right? They're well-known. Everybody knows about them. They generate lots of headlines. But I wonder, what are some other areas uh, where you think we should be talking more about religious liberty or other uh, other areas of concern for religious liberty for you? Well, I, I would agree with you that the issues that you raised are certainly uh, of concern. But then um, so often in human life, um, things that are relatively small or minor uh, can grow into... Uh, much more, uh, much larger, much more explosive issues. Take, for example, this debate about saying Merry Christmas. Okay, seems very, very simple. But at the same time, if you say to people, you can't say Merry Christmas, you've got to say Happy Holidays, 
what are we saying to people who believe in Christmas? And in the United States, they have a right, we all have a right to believe in Christmas or not believe in um, in Christmas. Uh, a friend of mine told me about a city that um, uh, that he used to uh, be assigned as a priest in, and, and they got a new mayor, and they used to have a Christmas pageant. And the mayor changed it to a holiday pageant, and there was this strong pushback from people in the city saying, that's not what this is. It's a Christmas pageant. If you don't want to come, don't come. But we're, we would like a Christmas pageant. So she, the mayor, was forced to back off of this. But, you know, that's that's not an earth-shaking issue, but it, it's, it reflects a mentality that uh, one group can force their opinion on another, which in the United States we say is not acceptable. And I, I think that we have a right as uh, Catholics to live what we believe. And that may be contrary to what someone else believes. And I think I have to expect, I have to um, expect uh, difference and I have to respect difference but I also want to be respected in my faith. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're saying, these issues that may seem like they're kind of small, but they're often, they indicate something bigger that's going, or they're kind of symbolic uh, of, of something that's that's bigger and that's still important. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could also say a little bit about how your interest and concerns about religious liberty connect with, with your other concerns. We mentioned your involvement in education You've you've have been chair of the of the committee on Catholic education. Uh, you are currently a a member of the committee, the ad hoc committee against racism. How do do all how do these issues kind of connect with each other um, in in your mind? Do you or do you see that they're related to each other? I definitely see a thread running through uh, all of this. One of the responsibilities of Catholic schools is to uh, teach the faith. And and I would argue that that's the primary responsibility of Catholic schools. The second responsibility of Catholic schools, in my judgment, is to promote academic excellence. The third responsibility of Catholic schools is to produce young men and women who have a sense of service uh, to the committee. Now, uh, to the community, I'm sorry, not the committee. When you look at uh, religious freedom... When we talk about Blaine amendments, you know, there are people who think that uh, even though Catholics are paying taxes like everybody else, that there should be no funding for Catholic schools. Why? That, to me, doesn't make sense. That's a religious freedom Mm -hmm. issue because if I choose or my brother has uh, three children, if he chooses to send his children to Catholic school and he's also paying taxes, I don't understand why he can't benefit from that. Um, on, on the issue, another issue that I'm very interested in is um, uh, racism and taking steps to overcome racism in our society. Now, somebody might say, well, what does that have to do with religious freedom? Well, I think it has a lot to do with religious freedom because, again, the social teachings of the Catholic Church say that all men and women are created equal before God. If an individual or a group says that they are going to attempt to restrict the freedom 
of uh, a group because of race, it's the same as saying they're going to restrict the freedom of some people because of religion. So it, it's that idea. The key is that idea of, of, of restriction, mm-hmm. that what we have done in the United States since the founding of the country is uh, we have striven to recognize and to uh, respect and appreciate various views of uh, the world. And I think that we as the church need to encourage uh, that type of freedom across the board, not only in terms of uh, education, but also in terms of how we relate to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I kind of have seen this connection, too, that interesting that I, I think that kind of outside of this building, the issues of racism and religious liberty might be seen as totally mm-hmm. not connected with each other, partly because one is seen as an issue that the political right cares about and one is seen as an issue that the political left cares about. That's kind of the perception. Uh, but in a way, they both they, they both are matters of, of dealing with difference in some That's ways right. and yeah. respect for others with human dignity. And I hope we can be a model for how some of these issues can can be seen, can be reconciled and mm-hmm. people can see how they relate to each other. I, I wonder if you can just say a little bit uh, about, in general, how do you think we might do a, a better job of making the case for religious freedom? It's one of these issues that's, it's kind of a polarizing issue right now for different reasons. I mentioned the culture war issues mm-hmm. earlier. Um, how do you think we could do a better job of communicating uh, the church's vision on this issue uh, or of communicating Catholic social teaching uh, in a way that people can understand and that's attractive? Two things there. Uh, first of all, uh, and I, I'm just coming from a conference on uh, education uh, two-day conference that we had here. Um, I think it is very important that in the curriculum of all of our Catholic schools, we have uh, concrete information about the social teachings of the church. So often I talk to people who understand uh, what the church says about uh, theological issues and understands the concept of the real presence and understands the sacraments. But it often stops when it gets to the social teachings of the church. They haven't heard this. I think we need to uh, talk about that more, more in terms of homilies, more in terms of, uh, of our uh, writings. And one of those social teachings is that we have a right to religious liberty. And I, I think we have to continually educate people to that. You know, when I look back at history, we were probably much more sensitive to this issue of religious uh, freedom in the 19th century as waves of immigrants were coming over, who were both ideologically and physically oppressed. As Catholics became more uh, enculturated, and became uh, eventually the largest single religious group in in the United States. I, I think we got uh, we got into a certain laxity where we thought, well, we're we're okay. Recent political developments have made it clear that we're not okay, and that our, uh, for example, our commitment 
to protecting the life of the unborn, uh, our commitment to social justice, our commitment to reaching out to the poor and the needy and uh, the, uh, the immigrant and the refugee, they have been um, challenged and in many places undermined. And so I, I firmly believe that the place where we start educating there are in religious education programs, CCD programs, um, and in our Catholic schools. I, I think that that's an essential element that we need to make a part of, uh, a major part of, of our uh, curriculum. We spend a huge amount of money on football coaches. <laughs> I would like us to spend as much money on religion teachers <laughs> who have a full spectrum knowledge of what the church teaches, including the social justice teachings of the church. And secondly, I, I think it's, it's um, using the best possible means to communicate on a regular basis what it is that the church teaches and why. Um, we live in a culture where people want explanations, and they're not going to just buy into something because some authority figure says that they should. Uh, the more we do things like this podcast, the more we put out newsletters, the more we give talks around the country on uh, these issues, the more we get Catholic school teachers working with us, with the students in um, their classrooms or in their CCD classes, the more pastors talk about these issues in homilies, the more we get the word out. And, and that, I think, becomes very important. I wonder if you could say a little bit more about the Catholic education piece, because this is something I've thought about a, a bit myself. In terms of weaving Catholic social teaching, weaving that into Catholic education in a better way, do you think that the key is like that you actually set aside a time where you're teaching Catholic social teaching? Or do you think, like on something like religious liberty, I think it's often kind of taught alongside history mm -hmm. in a way, um, or is kind of the key the formation of the teachers themselves? I mean, I'm sure it's a little bit of, of all, but what, what do you think is really the key to kind of bringing Catholic social teaching to bear in a stronger way in Catholic education? When uh, you look at the curriculum of a Catholic elementary school, uh, they usually will spend uh, – uh, kindergarten, first grade, talking about some basic things like who is Jesus, uh, what's Jesus's relationship to us, um, we, what's the mass, things like that. As they get into second and third grade, they're often talking about communion because first communion is coming up. And they have uh, segments of religious focus in the uh, books that they use. I would like to see a segment in all the books used in Catholic schools on Catholic social teaching, uh, along with the sacraments, along with the Mass, along with confirmation, uh, a section that enables the students to understand that. And that, I think, has to be ongoing. This is not something that, okay, we, we're going to learn this in fourth grade and we're never going to hear about it again. And that happens all too often. This has got to be an ongoing um, discussion. And I, and I think not only on the elementary and the secondary level, but I think this has to be an important aspect in higher education. And 
offering courses and and the university has to be i think a living example which many of, of our catholic universities are a living example of a commitment to to um to social justice and to the uh, teachings of the church on social matters i want to talk a little bit about the upcoming year it's it's 2020 we're heading into what is sure to be an a a extraordinarily contentious election year and you know one of the big concerns here at the bishops conference is how intense political polarization has become i mean certainly you know having studied american history polar polarization probably always kind of been there different different times in in history but it's become particularly intense um, you know, our, our colleagues in Justice, Peace, and Human Development have um, initiated this Civilize It campaign to encourage people to commit to civil discourse. As I mentioned earlier, though, religious liberty, um, it's one of the most polarizing issues in, in the culture right now. Um, so I wonder what you have to say about um, this situation. Is polarization um, something that in some respects we just have to accept that it's just the way things are or or do we have a responsibility to to try to to address this problem and and how can the church um, respond to this intense political polarization well i certainly believe that we have a responsibility to address this um uh, this problem of polarization in in our society and uh, one of the places where uh, i see great hope is when I'm standing at the altar and looking at a congregation, and there are people of um, uh, all colors and all backgrounds, and some people who are wealthy, some people who are poor, uh, some with children, some without children, uh, they come together and can, can at least for that hour find a sense of peace and a sense of unity. Now, we can't uh, in a sense, pick that up and take it out into society. But we as a church need to be uh, saying what they're saying in justice and peace, that we need to tone down the language, we need to tone down the actions, we need to grow together. We, there are ways, and, and friends know this um, very, very well. If you have close friends, you learn over time how to disagree with them without it becoming acrimonious. And I think as a country, for a long time, we were able to have disagreements and people said, you know, I stand here or I stand there. In, in recent years, um, people are still standing here or there, but they're also uh, oftentimes holding a weapon. And is, is, it, uh, is, is that type of intensity necessary? Can, can we not sit down and talk out some of these issues and recognize that sometimes we are going to agree, sometimes we're, we're not going to agree. I think one of the roles of the church uh, is to bring peace. And that doesn't mean uh, only peace between Iran and Iraq. Uh, it means peace within our community, the peace of Christ which is, as it says in the, old, uh, in the ancient prayer, the peace of Christ, which is beyond all imagination, be with you. That is what we have to bring. And I, I think we have to help people to have uh, the conversations that are necessary to uh, get at that piece. One of the things that I think that's really well done in the Committee Against Racism is having these conversations around the country on race, where people can come together in a safe environment 
and talk about their experiences, positive or negative, and find ways of bridging the gap. I think we need to do the same thing with religious liberty. Uh, it is a polarizing issue. It is an emotional issue. People have very strong opinions on it. Let's begin a conversation to understand why religious liberty is so important. Or another way of putting it is, let's try and understand why it's not important to you, but it is important to me. And can we find a middle ground here uh, which allows us as Christians, as Catholics, as Americans to work together for the common good? So last question, um, what, what are some of your hopes for your time as, as chair of the committee? Where, what are some, just any, any final thoughts about where you hope the committee can go um, in the time that you'll be leading us? Well, first of all, um, you and I have talked about this with uh, the other members of the staff. There are a number of legislative issues, uh, such as the... Um, uh, the, the case before the Supreme Court uh, today. Um, and there are others, and there are others that are going to come up. And I think we need to be involved. People need, we need to communicate where we stand on that and, and make our, um, position as, as, um, uh, crystal clear and pastoral as possible. Uh, as I mentioned to you, I'm also concerned about, uh, Improving our communication. I think we do a very good job with communication. I think we can always do more. To And that's one of the things I'd like to work on during my time as chair, is getting out to the people in the pews why religious freedom is important. It's not Why it's not something that we can just let go and say, well, it'll be okay. Um, where unless we are vigilant, um, un unless we are... Uh, deeply committed, uh, our religious rights will be eroded over a period of time. And I think that if we, if you raise it in, in the context of some specific event, like um, a particular state, because of a history of a Blaine Amendment, is unwilling to um, fund playground equipment for a, a Catholic school when other private schools are getting the playground equipment. Um, okay, people can zero in on that, but they many times don't realize that it's broader than that mm -hmm. and that sometimes uh, our rights um, as American citizens and as Christians are compromised because some group of people, and all the studies show they're not in the majority, they're in the minority, mm -hmm. but they, are, they do have power, and they want to constrict um, religious liberty. I think we have to help our people to understand why we need to take a position against that. Well, as the staffer who is mostly in charge of communications, I'm, I'm looking forward to the work we're going, going to do together. Thank you so much for taking time to join us. I know you just finished up a conference. You have to travel back to Ohio. Uh, I'm always uh, appreciate whenever you're able to kind of squeeze in a little bit of time to come to come in and, and talk. So thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. A pleasure being with you. I'm Aaron Weldon, and thank you for joining us for this episode of the First Freedom Podcast. Mm -hmm.